This morning, I'm going to be sharing something similarly along the line of what Dr. Obiora shared. Not quite it, but I'm going to be sharing about contending for the faith. Contending for the faith. Our theme scripture is Isaiah 40, 31. You know, and I, when I look at 31, it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There are four things that come from waiting upon the Lord. The first thing is renewal of, renewal of strength. The second thing is mounting up with wings as eagles. Third thing, running and not be weary. And then the fourth thing is walking and not fainting. Our wings help us to fly. Wings help us to fly. And it's basically the main tool we use when we need to rise beyond where we are where we need to go to another level. It's our wings. It's the wings that um, the eagle uses to fly. A bird without a wing cannot go anywhere. In fact, even to walk around without the wings, you find it very difficult for that bird to move. And waiting upon the Lord is key to your being able to move, to mount up, and to fly. One thing interesting is that he didn't say you should wait for the Lord. He said you should wait upon the Lord. You should wait upon the Lord. You should spend time with the Lord, listening to him. Spending time in God's presence, spending time just listening to him, hearing his heartbeat. And one of the things that I know is God's heartbeat in this time and in this season for, our, for us as, as the body of Christ is contending for the faith. Jude chapter 1. Jude is just one chapter. Verse 3. Contending for the faith. You realize that uh, some of us don't know where Jude is. It's just before the book of Revelation. <laughs> it's just one chapter. You know, we're used to all the, uh, the, the places in the Bible that talk about give and you shall be. <laughs> You know, but when he talks about going to Jude and things, you're like, where is Jude? It's just before the book of Revelation. Just one chapter. And Jude was talking a lot about false teachers. He was talking a lot about false teachers. And um, I, we're going to look there very briefly, but we're going to go there. I'm going to use two translations, the King James and then the Passion Translation. King James says, Beloved, beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Sometimes it's difficult to understand what it means. You know that contend means to defend, to fight for. But what are you fighting for? What are we meant to fight for? When it talks about our faith, what kind of faith? What's it talking about? Passion Translation says, Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending 
to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need to instead to challenge you. This was where I was writing to you about, but while I started writing, I just had this leading to go in this direction. I had a leading to change what I was going to talk to you about. He said, I felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. To contend for the beliefs that we cherish. In this time and in these seasons, generally now, in our country, outside the country, the beliefs that we cherish as the body of Christ, they are being quietly sidelined. They are being quietly moved and pushed away. And other things that are not of God are beginning to come into the forefront. And I realized that the Bible is very up-to-date. Very, very up-to-date. He said, contend for the beliefs we cherish. For God through the apostles has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. What are the things that we need to fight for? What are the kind of beliefs we need to cherish? Something like what Dr. Biera talked about, the purity, holiness, righteousness, these are things that we need to start to fight for. And like, like we heard, sometimes it's not even in the teaching. You hardly find a pastor that will teach and say, don't live a holy life. Don't be, don't, you're not the righteousness. You will not find a, pre, a pastor that preaches that. But sometimes in lifestyles, in the lifestyles that we live as leaders, when we don't contend for the faith, you find that the members quietly start to copy what we do. When your member sees you over-friendly with someone, and they know you are married. They know mama is there. When your member sees you, it's time to give your tithes in church. And they've never seen you once as your pastor give tithe. In fact, they know that pastor does not give tithe. What encouragement are you giving them to tithe? Hallelujah. There are a lot of things that are quietly, I realize they are quietly being sidelined in the church. And why is it? I think it's because everybody wants to be friendly with everybody else. I need my church to grow. So anything I'll do to make the church grow, I'll do it. Let me quieten down all the tough, tough preachings so that people who come to church, they'll feel comfortable and they'll not feel like running away. May we be willing to raise a church that is bold to stand wherever and say, thus says the word of the Lord, and they'll not be afraid to stand for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because there, we are either with the Lord or we are not with the Lord. We are either on the Lord's side or we are not on his side. His word is either what he says it is or it's not. We need to contend for the faith in these days that we're standing in, in these days that we're living in. We need to fight for the beliefs that we cherish, the things that were there. I was reading the other day and I asked myself, there are some words that seem to have disappeared from our vocabulary. Sanctification. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's the thing. The younger generation, you ask them what is sanctification. They say, mommy, that word does not exist. 
It's not in the dictionary. Why is that? It's in the Bible. And as long as it's in the Bible, it means we need to talk about things like that. We need to contend for the faith. Let's fight for the things we cherish. Let's help this younger generation. Because the time will come when this younger generation will not even know anything about the power of God. They'll not know anything about miracles, genuine miracles. Because they'll have seen a lot of the fake ones that they believe that those are the things that are true. May we not lose this generation because we are too afraid to contend for the faith that we have received from our elders in the name of Jesus. The things that we don't find in the word of God, the things that people are running away from, we find it hard to talk about purity. That's why I just said, let me just mention that, that 36 years ago, this man is still the same, was still the same thing. He, I knew he loved me as at that time. I knew there was a relationship. We were already talking about getting married. But as far as he was concerned, there are lines that are drawn. There are boundaries. Relationship or no relationship, the boundaries must remain. The boundaries must remain. Holiness becomes the house of the Lord. That's in Psalm 38, I think, verse 5. Holiness becomes the house of the Lord. But you find that in a lot of churches today, it's not preached that people should not live holy lives. It's not preached that people should not live a life of purity. But you find that a lot of things go on and nobody is saying anything about it. Things that happen in the world are coming into the church. Let's test and see whether you can be fruitful in the church. Let's test and see whether we are compatible in the church. There has to be a fighting for what we know is right. There has to be a fighting for what we know is right. We need to stand on the truth of God's words. In fact, that word holiness, a lot of young people don't like that word anymore. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as it's in the Bible, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Holiness is just a, a way of, a, a God's way of doing things, God's way of living. There's nothing special about it. You're either a child of God or not. We either have the Holy Ghost on our inside or we don't. If the Holy Ghost is on our inside, then a desire to do the things that please him will be natural to us. If they are not natural to us, then I have to question our salvation. If they are not natural, I have to question our salvation. A pig enjoys being in the mud. The other day I was driving to the office, and just by our road, you know that our new road, <laughs> a pig was playing in the mud. I mean, it was very comfortable in the mud. Very comfortable. Try and find a ram and put the ram inside. It will not stay. In fact, you have to forcefully hold that ram in the mud because that's not its nature. Our nature as children of God is to be like God. Is to be like God, is to be like our Father. So we need to be able to contend for the faith in different areas. Praying in tongues in some Pentecostal churches is not, it, it's not done. Praying in tongues is something that we need to also contend for, we need to fight for. 
You know, in 1 Corinthians 14, 2, Paul was talking. He said, when you pray in tongues, you're speaking mysteries. You're praying mysteries. You're speaking mysteries. The enemy cannot understand. You yourself don't understand what you're praying, but God understands because he's the one that is praying through you. That's why praying in tongues can help you break down doors. It can help you unlock chains that have held people in bondage for years. But a lot of times we just quietly, I don't know what's going on, but quietly we find that people are slowly moving away from such things that, I'll call them things that are needful for the powerhouses of God. Because in this day and age, if we are ready to go into the revival that God is bringing, me, I'm always talking about revival. If we are ready to go into the revival that God is bringing, there are some things that we need to hold on to. There's a lifestyle that we need to, um, we need to live. Because the power of God is not going to come into a house that is dirty. Praying in tongues is very, very important. If you're a Pentecostal church and your people don't pray in tongues, your members don't pray in tongues, go back and start doing the assignments. Go back and get them spirit-filled. Go back and help them to pray in tongues because it's normal. The more you pray in tongues, the more of the power of God you're stirring up on your inside. And the more of that power you stir up on your inside, the easier it is for you to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. The easier it is for you to hear the voice of God. The easier it is for you to flow with the Lord at all times. Let's contend for the faith. Let's contend for the things that, that God originally gave us. When Jesus came, there were things he left behind. Let's not let those things slip from our hands. Because as we allow them to slip from our hands, we'll find it very difficult to do what God is asking us to do. Amen? Let's contend for the faith. Tithing. In fact, some people don't even believe in tithing anymore. They will tell you it's Old, old Testament is Old Testament. But me, I've come to a point where I say this, as long as I see it in the Bible, I don't question whether it is old or new. As long as I see it in the Bible and I know that Jesus said this is what I should do, I stand there. And then when you look at the blessings in Malachi 3, 10, 11, and 12, you, I ask myself, is it that you don't want the blessings to come upon you? How many of us do not want open windows over our finances? <laughs> that's it not even windows doors as many doors and if the bible says it is a tithing that will give us the open windows it is a tithing that helps us to stand boldly and rebuke the devourer may we not allow every other person to tell us what to do May we stand by the truth of God's word. What about the blood of Jesus? A lot of people just talk about the blood as salvation, salvation. Yes, it's by the power and the blood. I mean, it's the precious blood of Jesus that brought us into the family of God. But there is more to the blood than that. There is more to the blood than salvation. In Exodus 12, it talks about the fact that it's the blood of God, the blood of the Lamb, an example a type of the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of lamb that protected the children of Israel from the spirit of death, from the angel of death when he came over uh, into the land of Egypt. 
So there are so many things that we are quietly pushing them away. The fact that everyone is doing something does not make it right. What makes it right is what God says. What makes it right is what we know God has said to us in his word. So if everybody is living life in one way, and we know that God is saying something different, brothers and sisters, men of God, let us make up our minds to stand on the Lord's side. Because especially for those of us that are servants of the Lord, there is a day of reckoning going to come, and God is going to ask us about the people he has given into our care. Yes, the members have their own responsibilities, but we as leaders, our own responsibilities are greater. Our own responsibilities are greater. What are we telling our people to do? Are we fighting for the faith that we are given? Or are we allowing things to slip from our hands? Are we allowing them to walk away into hell? And then we calmly sit down and say, hey, there's nothing wrong. The, 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 it's a personal relationship we have with the, they have with the Lord. It's a personal relationship, but we have the responsibility to guide them. In my house, if it is not church that you are going to and you are not back by eight, and it is not school that you are going to and you are not back by eight, you come to my house at nine o'clock and you are living in my house, you have to tell me where you're coming from. You have to tell me where you're coming from. As parents in the house, as parents in the house of the Lord, as spiritual leaders, we also need to be able to monitor our children spiritually because at the end of the day, their lives will be required of us. Their lives will be required of us. So let's watch what we allow our people to feed on. Let's watch what we place in before them. Let's watch the, the ministers we bring around them, the things we show to them. Because as we do that, we'll find that it makes pastoring them easier than we'll expect in the name of Jesus. Don't allow money, don't allow fame, power, don't allow those things to be what drives us, but God and the relationship with him, that I might know him. That I might know him. That's what it's all about. Hallelujah. That I might know him is very important. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, that I might know him is the beginning of it all. We need to know God for ourselves. And as we know God, as we know him more and more, the, more, the easier it is to know where he stands. And the easier it is for us to walk with him in the name of Jesus. It says that I might know him, not that I might have money, not that I might work miracles, but that I might know the Lord Jesus Christ. To contend for the faith, just like we also heard, we need to have a company of like-minded minister friends. We need a company of like-minded minister friends. A company of like-minded minister friends. I know we have a lot of, sometimes maybe not, let's... Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes 4.9, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he has not another to help him up. Again, if two be together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. 
and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. We use that sometimes when we're talking about marriage to encourage people to make the Lord the third party in their relationship. But also when it comes to our relationships as ministers, as um, servants of God, as workers in the house of the Lord, we need to have a company of like-minded people that we always go back to, people that we always work with. Because unconsciously, the company you keep will determine what you do. The company you keep will determine how far you go. The company you keep will determine what your life ends up being like. In Acts, you find a lot of that in Acts. Acts 4.23, Acts 13.13, Acts 15.22. Acts 4.23, Acts 13.13, and Acts 15.22. In Acts chapter 4, we know the story of um, Peter and John. In chapter 3, they had um, the lame man sitting by the... Um, temple gate had been healed miraculously and they'd been arrested and all that. After all the, cost, the cases with the leaders, the church leaders <laughs> and all that, the Bible says in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company. They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Why did they go to their company? Because that is where they knew they would find like-minded people, people that would be excited with them about the things God was doing. People that would be excited and would be glad and say, thank God you suffered for the sake of the kingdom. We'll still keep doing the same thing. We'll keep praying for you. We'll keep trusting God that many more such uh, occasions will come your way. But they were like-minded. They were like-minded in chapter 13. Now, when, when Paul and his company, 13, 13, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Paul had his own company. Chapter 15, it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief, among, chief men amongst the brethren. Your company will not pressure you to have a different lifestyle. That's the thing. They're not going to pressure you to have a different lifestyle. If your friends are people that believe something other than what you believe, then you are in the wrong company. You need to step out and move elsewhere. What should your company look like? Your core values, the things that are very important to you, those are the things that you need to look for in the company that you keep. If people are running away from you, it means they are afraid of your beliefs. Don't be afraid if people are running away from you as a minister. They come to your church. After two months, three months, you find some of them leaving. Most likely it's because maybe you are preaching too hard for them. Maybe because as a parent in your church, you are saying, look, this is where we stand. This is what we believe. This is what we know God is saying. And they want to live a lifestyle that is contrary to what you're preaching. They'll go and find where they can fellowship, where they'll feel comfortable, where everything is allowed. If you're a church, for instance, that believes in the purity of the saints, of our body being the temple of the Holy Ghost, you believe in us walking in the righteousness of God, and there are people around that are not comfortable with that, 
Don't cry when they go. Because they'll corrupt your people. The doors of a church, they swing open and they swing closed. So as they open, whoever wants to go out, goes out. As they go this way, whoever wants to come in, comes in. But remember, let's not change our doctrines for the sake of the people that are coming in. Let's stay with what God has asked us to preach. Let's stay with the word that God has given us. And as we do that, we will raise strong men and women for the kingdom that will contend for the faith with us. And Lord will be able to use them to work miracles even in the lives of people around them in the name of Jesus. We are meant to be influencers of people. We are meant to raise a generation of people that will touch lives and transform lives. But that is only going to be possible when we learn to contend for what we know the Lord has given us. For what we know the Lord has given us. If everybody around us is saying something else, let's go back to the word. Is that what God is saying? Is that what our Father is saying? If it is not, God bless you, my brother. It's not by force that I'm in your camp. It's not by force that we're going this. We're not heading in the same direction. When we are ready to contend for the faith, soaring with wings as eagles becomes easy because then you know where you are heading to. One thing about the eagle studying is that the eagle has very keen eyesight. From thousands of feet up in the air, they are able to locate their prey. And they keep their eyes focused on the prey. And they, they, they don't run, they, they glide, they fly, they soar towards that prey. But their eyes need to be on that prey. Because if the prey, for instance, happens to be a rabbit, rabbits are very fast. If they decide to close their eyes for one minute, by the time they open their eyes, they will lose track of where that rabbit is. Let's keep our eyes on what God has declared in his word are the things worth fighting for, the things that we ought to believe in, the things that we need to stand upon. Because as we stay with the company God has given us, we receive encouragement from that company that God has given us. We receive courage. We receive all we need to continue going to the next level. We find that it becomes easy when you need to call a friend in need to say, my brother, pray for me because you already have a company. May our companies be the right companies in the name of Jesus. There are companies that all they are concerned about is what they are wearing and like our daddy said, how many cars they have, how many big places they've been to how many places they have traveled to. If those companies are not taking you to heaven, there's nothing wrong with putting them aside. The Lord will give you wisdom, even as you do that in the name of Jesus. Don't give up. Your company will encourage you never to give up. Never to give up. Acts 20, 21 verse 8. Your company will encourage you not to give up. And the third thing while contending for the faith is we need to desire the genuine and not the fake. We need to desire the genuine and not the fake. A company of like-minded ministers. Let me say something about a company of like-minded ministers also. Your lifestyle will tell us 
which company you belong to. Your lifestyle will tell us which company you belong to. If your lifestyle is a particular way and you're fellowship with people of a different lifestyle, it's either you don't know who you are or you are trying to walk into that group. Desire the genuine and not the fake. When Paul was talking, he said that I may know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. Talking about genuine power, not the fake power. We're all here. We know things that happen. Is where we are going genuine. Let me give you a story, a true story that happened. Names, no name and names withheld. Someone went somewhere to a ministry, to a church. Um, let's say the person just went there for prayers, you know. And um, on getting there, the Lord opened the person's eyes. And the person saw standing by the church premises a naked, tall being. Very tall, naked being, ugly. But the person saw that. The person saw that briefly and the picture disappeared. And the person, you know, kind of the mind was, did I see, did I not see, you know, that kind of thing. The person stepped in there, went in there for, to be ministered to, and moved out and continued life as normal. But one thing the person noticed was that life as normal for that person changed. Because a spirit from that church followed that person. And what was the spirit? The spirit of immorality. So that person started struggling with immorality. And it came to a place of, God, I need help. What's going on? The person heard very clearly. You gave permission when you stepped into that place for that spirit to go with you. There are things happening. And it's very important that as leaders in the church, number one, let's make sure that the purity of the Lord is what is on our altar. Let's contend for that in our own homes, in our own local assemblies, where we pastor, where God has given us to pastor. Let's fight and contend for the purity of the altar. Let's fight to make sure that it's the Holy Spirit, it's the presence of God that is there in every service. Because when you allow a false spirit to come in, everybody that steps into that church is now under that spirit. And you find a lot of things happening in your congregation and you don't know where it's coming from. The person also told me that one of the things God told him was that the pastor in that church gave that spirit the authority over that person's life. Because the pastor is the father of the house. The pastor is the father of the house. So you as a spiritual leader, the spiritual oversight in a church, anything you allow, it means you're automatically allowing it over the lives of your members. Fight for the genuine. Contend for the truth. Contend for what you know will help your people make heaven. 
Because I always feel it's a very, it will be a very painful thing to get to heaven and you have a church of 10,000 and on that day, not even 1,000 are with you in heaven. And what will you tell the Lord? Lord, I, I did what you asked me to do, but the Lord will say, okay, while you claim to have been walking with me, how many other spirits were part of your congregation? I'm sorry if I'm talking hard today, but uh, <laughs> there are things we need to know as pastors. There are things we need to know as leaders because there are lives that we're responsible for. There are young people that are going through our hands. There are young Christians. Sometimes when I say young people, not necessarily young people in age, but there are young people who don't know they are left from their right. They come to us. It's our responsibility to train them. It's our responsibility to help them, to bring them up in the things of the Lord. Let's help them to know the right thing so that they'll know where to place their feet. As we help them to contend for the right things, the blessings of the Lord will rest upon us as leaders and the Lord will help us to soar to our next levels in the name of Jesus. Growth will come when we do things the right way. The church will grow. You see, there are times and there are seasons, and when a season of your growth as a church comes, forget it, that church will explode. We don't need to do things the wrong way. We don't need to follow other people. We don't need to copy what every other person is doing to make the church grow. All we need to do is to live life, to do things according to the blueprints that God has given us. And as we do that, the explosion of the Holy Spirit will cause members to come our way in the name of Jesus. The fake might bring immediate results, but lasting results comes from the genuine. The fake might bring immediate results, but lasting results will come from the genuine. It will come from the genuine. The fake will definitely bring results. It will definitely bring results, but are the results free of charge? A lot of pastors will sell their souls to get results. Are the results free of charge? Do the results come with peace? Because for me, that particular church that I talked about, I feel that the pastor himself has that lifestyle. There's no peace in that pastor's life. There's no peace in that pastor's life. Let's walk in the power that is ours. There is a genuine the genuine comes when we know the Lord, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. The genuine comes from the Lord. The genuine comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from being in the presence of the Lord, from spending time with the Lord on a daily basis, from spending time seeking his face, from being totally surrendered and being broken and being willing to walk in all that he has prepared for us. As we do that willingly, Seeking God's face on a regular places, his power will start to work amongst us. You'll find the power of the Lord in your churches, amongst your members, and you'll find testimonies arising even from the lives of the members in the name of Jesus. It comes from what we give them. It comes from what we give them. Let's not look at what every other person is doing, but let's look at what God is asking us to do, what he has designed and written concerning us as a group, as a church. And as we do that, we'll find that going to the next level, soaring high on wings as eagles, becomes a thing that becomes easy because the Lord will take us to the level he has ordained for us in the name of Jesus. 
let's not allow people to be deceived by the false, but let's encourage people to seek the genuine, to walk into the things that God has prepared for us. And as we do that, we'll find that our congregations will get stronger and more genuine in the name of Jesus. Number is good, yes, but quality is better than number. Quality is better than number. The number is good, yes, but how strong are the children, the spiritual children we are raising? How genuine are they? Let's contend for the faith. Let's contend for the things that the Lord gave us, the faith that we received from our forefathers. And as we contend for those faiths, for those things, for those beliefs, we'll find that the things that God is asking us to do becomes easier and his grace rests upon us in a greater dimension in the name of Jesus. Let's rise to our feet this morning. Let's rise to our feet this morning. For those of us that are leaders, I just want us to take one, two minutes to just talk to God. For those of us that are pastors of our congregation, just talk to God. Just talk to God. Lord, help me to contend for the faith. Help me to contend for the faith because you have given me people that I'm meant to bring to you. You've given me members, you've given me children, spiritual children that I'm meant to bring to you, present before you. Help me to contend for the faith that I might give them the right food, that I might give them the right nutrients. Help me to live the right lifestyle before them. Help me to have the right company that when they look at me, they will not fall by the wayside. Let's just talk to the Lord. Let's ask the Lord for his strength, for his grace to do that because our assignments are not to be taken lightly. There is a Lord God wants to throw out in these last days. There is a Lord God wants to pour out. But he has to know that he can trust us with what he's giving to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your holy written word that we have. We thank you for your faith that we have received. We thank you, Father, for the assignments and the callings on our various lives. Father, as we serve you where you have placed us, we ask for grace to live life the way you require of us in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask for grace to lead the people in the right direction in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Father, that you will help us to bring these people into a period where they can walk in the power of resurrection in their own personal lives in the name of Jesus. Father, you declare that we are meant to be teachers, we are meant to be coaches of your people. As we look at your word, as we teach your word, as we live a lifestyle that is pleasing to you, I ask that you help us to lead these people in the right paths in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your grace upon your people. Lord, I bless you and I appreciate you. In Jesus' name we've prayed.